0: and welcome to episode
1: 78
0: is that really that we're just going 78 man of the f1 show for coverage of the 2010 belgian grand prix from spa i'm robin warner and we are a few days late that is mainly my fault i take the responsibility and the blame and i do sincerely apologize to everyone but i also thank you For waiting for us.
1: And I'm Jim Lau, and we will make it up to you by having a very interesting and lively conversation today about news and updates and coverage from everything that happened this weekend and our usual predictions and trivia and everything else fun about the F1 show. Let's get to it. So it's been a long time since the last race, but we did have that forced shutdown, so there's not a whole lot of major updates uh, on different cars and teams and so on. Um, But the one
0: major update we have is, is quite
1: good. Yes. Well, we do have, uh, especially for uh, U.S. fans and all that, us included, um, the U.S. Grand Prix track details have been announced. Uh, the actual, the, the location we already knew and now the actual track layout uh, has been finalized or formalized and, and presented to the world. Right. And it looks pretty cool. i got to say I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm a bit more nervous about well, it, I have to we're say. We're excited
1: about it anyway. I mean, I think just the more details and oh. the closer this gets to reality, like I'm definitely excited. So <laughs> it's it
0: definitely like the timeline of the type of news that's being released. Is definitely uh, is definitely encouraging,
1: but and a lot more promising than like the USF one timeline of news being released, for example. Where,
0: but I'm looking at this track layout, which is in three dimensions.
1: Yeah, so it's on right now, and so actually this just came out, so it's it's. Uh... Advantageous that we're doing the show a bit later because we get to talk about this. Yes, but well, it's right fresh on the website, so it's on it's on the homepage of formula dot com. Probably won't be for long. Uh, it's on Autosport and everything. You can you can maybe put a link to the uh, to the layout. Of, somebody probably already has done this on our Facebook page. Anyway,
0: it looks a bit cookie cutter to me, just a touch. Well, I have to be honest. There's a lot of tight stuff in here.
1: Yeah. So the concern: it's three point four miles. It's over twenty corners. And the first thing that comes to mind when I see that is like Abu Dhabi, or not Abu Dhabi. Um, Valencia. Oh, Valencia, yeah. Where it's just, like, tedious, like, corner after corner. They all kind of look the same. But um, it's got some flowing corners. I mean, so it's actually an uphill uh, turn one. So it's, like, like from, from start turn finish. I like the uphill turn one
0: hairpin. That'll, that'll encourage extremely late braking and the brave being brave and stuff like that, which could be some really cool passing opportunities. And then a downhill sweep and into a pretty sweeping, fast corner. Yeah,
1: like a series of look, what look like pretty fast corners from But there. after turn,
0: I think you'd call it turn two... God, it just becomes a lot more normal looking to me because it's a pretty you know you have that uphill and downhill from the turn one hairpin into turn 2 which is at kind of at the base of downhill base of the downhill which kind of reminds me of Laguna Seca's I think it's turn 9 it's like the corner after the um, corkscrew mm. which is very cool. I know that that's a very it's a fast and difficult corner, but after that the track is relatively flat and looks pretty normal looking to me
1: yeah there's this and i can't this this diagram is too small to kind of see the corner numbers but there's this seemingly ridiculous kind of back and forth little chicane like it's a like a huge chicane i mean it's like this yeah, this and back and forth you know You know two what hairpins. that reminds me of
0: because they say oh we took inspiration for the best circuits around the world that like chicane and then another chicane reminds me a lot of the indie circuit yeah that bit, really tight where bit? it's and like here's like, a straight like, bit and, like and then here's a 90
1: degree, or 180 degree corner and was then that a the, bit. it's
0: that it's that section where they double back on each other twice yeah. before they go back onto the oval. Yeah. It's that really tight part before it opens up in your wide-open throttle for Although,
1: I must say, the section right after that is, like, this decreasing radius, um, you know, potentially late-breaking, interesting Shanghai-Suzuka kind of corner of this, this uh, tightening radius right-hander. Um, but there are, so, okay, 133 feet of elevation change. I like that they use units that we can understand, miles and feet and stuff. That's well, great. correct units, I think Yeah, what you're trying to say. Um, and... Gentlemen's I, units. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, of course, we're going to, you know, until this track is built and anyone's driven on it and seen it and, and you know, let alone F1 cars being run on it, it's, it's sort of hard to say judgment. But I guess I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm hopeful for, uh, for how it's going to turn out. Um, and, you know, I'll have to see how it sort of fits in with the landscape and all that, if this is just natural terrain that they're building it onto or if this is going to be sort of artificial. Um, I have
0: the, the, the reports that came out before have said that it, it is supposed to be natural terrain and uh you know there are some there are some hopeful i i I will make this pledge to you um i will work very hard to get a lap on this track as soon as we can something tells me that the formula one race is going to happen before any public track days are open available to it but uh, it's definitely something we'll want to see but uh jim and i will also make the pledge that uh we're going to Buster our asses to get here yeah we're we gonna go to this we'll, race we'll
1: we'll bring you some coverage one way or another yeah. and uh, and actually you know in my in my job i actually work with some you know pr and, and things like that for for tracks and, and venues and things like that so if if I can be any, if I can make my way to this track, especially for work, if work pays for it, uh, one way or another, we'll we'll get there. We'll make it work, and uh, hopefully get you some cool data and video and so on, and uh, and make it all happen. So I'm excited about it. I look forward to, uh, I mean, just to the to the U.S. Grand Prix in general. But the more details we get about it, I'm still I'm still geeked about it. Um,
0: yes, I, know. I, t- I totally agree. And for most part, it's good news. I was just a touch disappointed on the layout. That's all.
1: Yeah, uh, and then the other update I have listed is that. Um, Renault now has an F duck to run, and that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's snazzy. And and they
0: said uh, during the Grand Prix weekend, I know which I know is getting a little bit ahead of things, but whatever. They said it worked great. So yeah, it worked great. Cool. Right out of the bat, so that was cool for them.
1: Yeah, and I like to see these these the later recorded shows like this um, does give us a little more. Um, you know just more context more time to sort of think about the race it's not like it just happened we just watched it and now we're sort of talking about it so uh, i think the the conversation may be a little bit different uh from from the normal shows but uh, i think it's going to be better so yeah
0: but you and i also uh, suffer from stage three dementia so it'll be like oh and then some guy won the race and then some other guy yeah. i think it was a guy that was sweet right on so but so uh, but, we, we'll say to you from this point good luck we hope it turns out okay <laughs> Indeed. Oh, boy. Did we have a meal today? We have eaten before this podcast. It was extremely good, authentic Belgian food.
1: Kind of. Kind of. If they have Mexican food in Belgium. Which they must. I'm sure they They do. They must. I mean, think about it. So Mexican food is fantastic. We, we did this one early. I actually did have a uh, tasty Belgian like chicken waffle, like cream sauce entree situation. It was months ago. It had did nothing to do entree with entree situation. Yes. Uh, well, it wasn't just like a waffle. I mean, it was like, a, it, was like it, was it was a an, situation it was of waffle. Experience. I understand. Okay. I mean, where was, was this? Tell us where this well, was. Well, it was actually at my at my bachelor party, which was at Bastone, this brewery in, uh, in Michigan. here in Royal. I Oak. was at your bachelor and party. You were I there. got a pizza. Yeah, well, you screwed that up. Dang. That was pre rook for Monza, I think, is, oh. is what you were doing. No,
0: because we're getting pizza for Monza. Don't even front.
1: Anyway, so Belgian food was a bit of a, uh, not, didn't quite happen.
0: We're going to be so authentic for Italy to make up for this that we're going to have pizza and Caesar salad. Oh, uh? I see what you did there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. From maybe some, maybe some Italian sausage on the pizza. Dude, that's good thinking. But we're getting ahead of ourselves now. Yeah, Um, that's
0: going to be the culture of the next race. Yes.
1: Maybe we can just
0: cut this conversation and just repeat it for the Monza podcast. We just saved ourselves a couple minutes. We just did. We're so efficient. For
1: sure. So this weekend started out like any other race weekend in Spa, with mixed weather conditions. Uh, We had... You know, wet but drying tracks. We had dry tracks for a while. It, you know, rain falling, there was People hail, had, frogs. Had to manage tires and all that. And uh, with, with I the believe the current... typhoon went through. There was a I, there was I, a tidal wave. I don't think that happened. Um, alligators were snapping at the corner where it was
0: <laughs> rough. It's like that in Belgium. I don't look at
1: me like that. I don't know about alligators. <laughs> anyway, the uh, so the Crocodile? overall results... was it crocodiles and mice. <laughs> The overall results, uh, the standings from Friday, don't mean a whole lot because of sort of just who happened to be doing a, fa- a high speed run when the track was dry. Um, but, but then it,
0: again, it did, could be like that all weekend.
1: Fair enough. Um, the uh, The second practice was almost all wet. Um, but then when it when it finally did dry out and people were starting to get some runs in, it was actually red flagged for some like unsafe fans. Like somebody, you know, I guess a bunch of fans got in front of a fence somewhere and they red flagged the session for for fans being in a really, unsafe position.
0: I did not. I did not get to see um i did not get to see practice that. yeah I, so I cut that it out.
1: was a weird and you actually heard uh, i think it was mark weber in the, on the radio in the garage being like you know why because the, the clock set kept counting down now after all this so it's the first thing, it's the first time i've ever seen a session red flag for something sort of only barely related to the the actual cars i mean there wasn't a crash there wasn't debris it was just like hey fans are in an unsafe place uh and then but the clock still ran down so it was it sort of ruined a lot of people's dry lap running and, uh, and some of the guys were like, what the heck is this? You know, why, why would they, why not stop the clock if this is a, if this is a situation? So that was a little bit stupid. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean. Like uh, like any classic spa weekend, um, the weather forecast was like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. well for now it's raining and for, soon it'll be who knows. And um, but it did turn out the you know all the teams this year have four sets of intermediate tires or three sets of intermediates and four sets of full wets or something. But it's they I
0: thought it was four of each, but either way, a limited
1: way. set of uh, of each of the tires for the weekend for the whole weekend. Yeah, so it definitely did come down to I mean there was more running on dry tires in wet conditions where you should have inters but you can't run your inters because you don't want to wear them out because you don't know what you're going to need for qualifying you don't right. know what you're going to need for the race so that did add an interesting element to it uh, to see and there were certainly some uh some just some off-track excursions some more exciting than others um but luckily no no huge damage or anything uh to to worry about but uh, yeah so friday practice is kind of all over the place and didn't tell us a whole lot
0: okay so it was monday at like eight i'd gotten home from work Taking care of all these stupid little chores I had to do, and I had answered emails and stuff like that. I finally was able to sit down and start watching my TiVo race coverage. And like I said, I could not get to practice, but I got to see qualifying. And what did I see right in the first couple of minutes but a Renault spun and stuck Petrov, yeah, Vitaly Petrov,
1: yeah, and there was a small crash. I mean, look, you know, wasn't debris everywhere or anything, but just off track, and uh, yeah, I couldn't, you know, had to red flag the session. Um, it was dry at the beginning, so it was like huge traffic at the beginning because everyone's like, hey, we don't know how long it's going to be dry. That was just incredible. And, you know, it was like I think all every single car out on track right at the beginning we just lined up pouring out of the out of the pits, which is always kind of fun to see. I guess that's part of the point of the knockout qualifying is just to get cars on track. There was a section. Boy, were there?
0: Yeah, there was a section of uh, qualifying. That was more exciting and vigorous than the racing itself, uh, because everyone wanted to get out as soon as possible mm-hmm. and immediately get on a flyer to avoid the rain. But the problem is, is that people were stacked up, so they were basically trying to pass each other to, you know, to keep their lap going. And and people were trying really hard. It was funny.
1: Yeah, and I think it was Hamilton um, decided to, to wait for half a lap or whatever and then go out. So gambling a bit that he was out later than everyone but at least he'd have a clear track and hopefully get a better run at it and so on so there were different gambles being thrown one way or another um everyone started on dry tires because that was just it was dry then um yes. and and then you know people ended up having to switch to inters later but uh i've got to say um i was really impressed by hamilton's early lap um uh, had, had a it was a 156.7 i wrote down um yeah. that on on dry tires in what was then a, starting to become a pretty wet racetrack. Um, I don't know if he just hit that sweet spot of where the track was um, uh, as far as the conditions before everyone else or what. But uh, he he set a lap that stood for a long time as it got wetter and wetter, and then people got intermediate tires. I, no,
0: I'm, I'm almost certain for Q one his time stood for the entirety of the of the session.
1: And and it just showed. I don't know if he's just got he changes his driving style from one corner to the next or what. I mean, <laughs> he just seems to have this ability to just judge. What it's going to be, or be able to react quick enough to not, you know, going one corner to the next with different conditions in every corner. Um, well, we and talk a lot about. Make it
0: work. Right. We talk a lot about natural talent, you know, who's got a lot of natural talent, so on and so forth. And guys like Cooper, Alonzo, and Hamilton come to mind. But I would say Hamilton's one of the best. And when you, what natural talent really means is that ability to very quickly assess the situation, feel the car, and adjust to that, and be fast. In unknown conditions. Yeah. You know, a guy like uh, Button or maybe maybe Weber would be another good example. Those guys can be really good at – oh, Barrichello's is a great example. Yeah. Really good at setting up the car, learning the track, understanding the nuances of the track, and, and, and building up to getting that great lap. But guys like Hamilton, a lot more of it is visceral, innate kind of ability that they can just lean on. And when conditions are like that, that's where – those kind of talents really stand out, mm-hmm. and I think, I think Hamilton was especially in qualifying, really throughout the weekend, but especially in qualifying, it was very, very impressive.
1: Yeah, so that was you know just impressed by that. Um, and and then both the Mercedes, as you remember, you know uh, Schumacher had a ten spot penalty from that move on Rubens at the end of the, at the end of the Hungarian race, um, and then Rosberg had a gearbox change, so he had a five spot penalty. So Mercedes was really pushing hard to get their cars as far as they possibly could, um, and they were both out in uh, in Q two. Actually, ended up with um, was eleventh and twelfth, wasn't it? With Schumacher uh, in eleventh yeah. spot, mm-hmm. so they desperately wanted to get higher, um, and whether some combination of traffic but that and was, weather,
0: yeah, that was partly due to the weather. Certainly, you know the other thing that both, I mean, because. Uh, did this as well they they got good lap times in early then it got wetter and then it started to get dry again but it was only in the last minute minute and a half that it was probably as dry as in the first minute minute and a half yeah and so they uh you know it was a very narrow window to get that time in so i think that's as likely as anything else what kept uh schumacher and and, uh Rossberg to uh, yeah. do
1: any better, you know it's the same conditions for everyone, though. So it's it's you're not necessarily skill. Some of it's just luck as far as when you actually got out on track and, and what the track is like when you get there. But that was unfortunate for them to uh, to you know end up. You know, not a great qualifying uh, position anyway, and then to have to do penalties. But there were so many penalties, people got shuffled all around. It actually ended up uh, Kovalainen and, and, and Timo Glock both made it into Q2, um, you know, partly because Petrov's crash early on, and then I think it was De La Rosa was out or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were a couple issues in, in, uh, in Q1. So uh, they got into Q2. But when all was said and done, the grid didn't end up that crazy at the top.
0: No, it did. Uh, by Q, Q2, it got drier. In Q3, at the end of Q3, at least, it was reasonably dry. And uh, as a result, yet again, Mark Weber put in a great, great lap, uh, bested Hamilton, Kubica, Vettel, and Button, and that was your top five.
1: Yeah, so Vettel you know, we we actually I think both had predicted Vettel to uh, to do amazingly and he <laughs> I mean, you know, fourth spot and it wasn't by uh, a huge margin, but um, I mean Hamilton was was right off of Weber's time. Hamilton was I think 0.084 seconds off of uh, off of Weber's time, so less than a tenth. So this wasn't a Red Bull domination, throw down the gauntlet not. kind of Certainly kind of not. qualifying. And with with Vettel back and forth, I think I think Weber was really something special too to get some more out of that car than uh you know, to, to be that much higher than Vettel, but good job Kubica. I mean, I'm 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 pleased to see you know the technological developments with the, the F duct and stuff working for him, but also just you know I I like Robert Kubica for whatever reason. Just seems like a you know good talent. It's good to see him uh, up there doing well. So third spot on the podium for him is uh, is great. I completely agree with everything you just said. All right then. SPA
0: always delivers a great race. Not only does the four and a half mile monster make the engine and drivetrain work hard, the fast corners and long straightaways present a setup challenge with compromises aplenty. Add to that the bipolar-esque weather conditions and conversely a very consistent and large cloud of red mist and excited results are all but guaranteed. Or to put it another way, SPA is like a freeze-dried meal. For hot and delicious racing, just add water. But the man sitting on pole didn't want all that. No, Mark Webber would have been quite happy with a boring, caution-free event that saw him be the fourth man in 17 tries to win from pole. But that dream ended the moment the lights went out and his Red Bull was the only one not to leave the line. This gave the opportunity to Lewis Hamilton to pounce from second place. Right behind Hamilton sat teammate Jetson Button. The McLaren driver had yet another brilliant start after yet another not-exactly-brilliant qualifying session. Vettel made it to third in line, and we had to look all the way back to seventh to find Weber. But these positions did not last, and some cars didn't last either. First to go, the 300 man himself, Rubens Barrichello, was not able to notch another race finish to his belt after greatly misjudging his braking and hitting Alonzo on the first lap, destroying his Williams front suspension. Soon after, Jensen Button was punted out of second place by Vettel when the German lost control of his Red Bull under braking. And later in the race, Fernando Alonso found the wall in the wet and retired his already beaten up Ferrari. However, when the checkered flag flew, the results almost mimicked qualifying, with Lewis Hamilton on top winning the Belgian Grand Prix. Mark Webber rebounded well from his awful start to finish second, and Robert Kubica put in a fantastic drive to finish where he started in third. Fourth place went to Felipe Massa in a quiet but fast drive. He finished ahead of Adrian Sutil in the Force India, a result that may be a disappointment compared to last year, but very impressive by any other measure. Nico Rosberg led teammate and AARP member Michael Schumacher to 6th and 7th in their respective Mercedes. Both of them followed by the Ferrari-powered Sauber, piloted by Kumui Kobayashi in eighth. Vitaly Petrov kept his Renault intact to finish ninth, leading
1: one lonely point for Mr. Liuti finishing tenth. Jim! Lewis F. Hamilton! Hell yeah, man. This is the classic Lewis Hamilton. that You know, That this is why I became a fan of his early on, and uh, and it's, it's good to see because it, it's been a little while since we've seen just a really good Hamilton drive uh, and... You know, like I've talked about, he's been strong. He was strong all weekend, and uh, and just just made it work. I mean, with the you know managing the tires when it was you know we still had dry tires on. There was a first rain shower. Uh, what it was, you know, re- real early in the race, and uh, you know everyone's like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. And, and Hamilton just was able to just just hang on to it and do fine. Um, even later in the race when there were, when I think he stayed out a lap too long. Um, on, on the dry tires when it was uh, the second shower in the race, it was a lot more serious. Um, and, you know, that you could hear is, you know, talking to his engineers, and they said, oh, we don't want to take you in too soon. You know, we want to make sure it's time for the, for the you know, for the wet tires. And, yeah. boy, it was time for the wet tires. Yeah, they got um,
0: very, very close to riding off that entire race.
1: Yeah, and as soon as, uh, I think it was turn 14, was it, or 18, um, but, uh, you know, Hamilton was off track. He was going through the gravel, and I immediately had these flashbacks of China, of uh-huh. just, like, leading the race and uh-huh. just parking it in the gravel trap it's like oh no but uh well not
0: parking in the parking it in the in the tire or, or even just hitting the wall to take off, yeah close
1: yes so uh you know but holding on to to that you know keeping the car underneath him throughout everything that was going on i mean there was a lot of craziness uh behind him i think uh i mean mark weber's poor start which i don't think was ever really explained i mean he just said there was there no, it's it, it bogged off the line like yeah those, there's the something goopy right.
0: with the clutch settings and they adjusted it and it made it worse. Uh, and it made it worse, not better. But, yeah, that was the the most ex- explanation I ever saw. Yeah. But it, it definitely, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like Hamilton was untouchable in terms of pace. But it was a little bit hard to tell because um, Button had made it to second place. He had a great start. And he um, he was quite a bit slower than Lewis was. Now, a big part of that... He is he blamed on the front wing. And his front wing was, in fact, damaged uh, when he had a small collision with uh, Robert Kubica. But I'm a little, I don't know, it didn't look like major damage. And I'm a little bit uh, dubious to say that a second a lap was because of a a dinged up uh, front wing. He said he had massive understeer that he was dealing with, and he just couldn't go any quicker than that. But uh, it's a little harder to believe.
1: Yeah, especially... If um, I mean, it would seem to make sense if he could hold up the rest of the field without letting anyone pass him, which is what he was doing, um, which, would, of course, would help Lewis. So it's almost like maybe that's just their sort of t- pseudo-team orders a little bit, just to kind of help out Lewis, keep the rest of the field yeah, behind but him. but I just really don't it think It so. doesn't seem like a, a button thing to do, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because of the aerodynamics of these cars as they are. You, you know, we've seen this time and time again, you know, a car will— or, not in a while, but lose a bargeboard and going faster than it used to. And right, you're like, well, right, that right. part, why is that there? If, right. You know, some aerodynamics was just fired. <laughs> yeah, and then and sometimes, yeah, a car and and then, um, not to get ahead of ourselves, but how uh, you know, uh, Barrichello just just totally crashing into the back of Alonso's car, destroying the Williams, and and the Ferrari was like fine. Yeah, I, I don't, how in the yeah, world? I don't. So, I
0: have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. But this, I mean, the point is, is that I don't know whether Weber could have matched Hamilton's pace or not, but it seemed hard to believe.
1: Yeah, it was uh, certainly... Uh, but we saw, again, for the time when Vettel was um, was running behind... Um, was behind button just like in in hungary and even before where the the red bulls like on a single lap out on their own are brilliant and really really fast but just don't have that top end speed to be able to actually make a pass yeah and we saw that again i mean just yeah. they i don't know what they've got to do to that car to to change ground to make well, it better but it's it's perfect if you're out in front and if you can right. stay in the lace it's not slow enough that you can get past but it just that car is looks like you know, not a good overtaking machine. Well,
0: that's that's just it. That's the consequence consequences of a brilliant aerodynamicist is that he has ways to make downforce so that other people don't. But downforce is extra drag. I mean, yeah. it is does make it harder to uh, to push a car through the air. So, you know, that is uh, that is just the reality of it. You know, and I think by now most everyone uh, doesn't put much put much weight into the Renault engines being weaker because they've proven to be very strong power plants in very many situations Mm -hmm. so maybe they don't quite have the top end but it's i don't think it's enough of a difference to equate it all to that i think it's largely the aerodynamics of the car like you said however um vettel was not behind button
1: for the entirety of the race something
0: did happen to correct that yeah
1: (laughs) so And sort of file this under strange racing incidents um, or accidents or whatever you want to call it. Um, Yeah, so there was, you know, Vettel was, I think, getting desperate behind Button um, because, you know, he kept getting up, you know, catching up and then not having an opportunity to pass and then catching him up again and just, you know, trying to be, you know. Before
0: the accident, he definitely was closer than he had been in laps in the past. Yes,
1: so he kind of had a run going or kind of was close um, and ended up um, losing control of the car, trying to, you know, coming out to make a pass, overcorrecting um you know he was going out he was out to the left of button's car yes and put in a huge amount of right hand steer i mean i, I watched through this in slow motion just to watch his inputs and, and it was like seemed you know not like he meant to do this but just like you just lost the car from underneath him, ended up, and which was right at the braking point so uh, button gets on the brakes uh vettel's car goes out of control and just spears button's car right in the side of it right p- in the radiator poked out the radiator Game way over yeah so just you know just uh, smoke just pouring out of the car, uh, or steam, I'd or whatever. I steam, yeah. Um, and which, is, is, I mean, not actually a failure we've seen before. I've not seen a crash like that where it just pokes a hole in the radiator. Well, and certainly all that not come in out.
0: years. Uh, I I can't think of one myself. Either. Yeah. So, but the but the question was so. First of all, uh, I I think uh, it it was definitely a huge save for Button. I think he was doing a very good job considering the situation, and he wasn't that far off from getting in, going in for a pit stop and getting a new front wing. And having a chance to prove himself a little bit. Yes. Um but this accident happened. Vettel was penalized for it. He got a penalty for I, I believe an unsafe pass or something like that. Yeah. Stop and go penalty. Did I think he it was deserve just
1: a it? Drive through. Drive through, yeah. sorry.
0: Did he deserve it? Um now one one real quick. Jim and I have not discussed this yet, so this is totally virgin conversation here
1: right and i've gone back and forth on this and certainly while watching the race um i was thinking you know what the heck it was a racing incident i don't think i don't think anyone believes it was vettel's intention to spear his car into the side of but i mean it just doesn't make sense no no that was so it wasn't like a malicious like ah oh, this will be great for the championship let me just you know ram this car off It'd the road be great for weber's championship. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right. um so it doesn't make sense on those grounds but um after thinking about it um I just I think there was no way he was going to make that pass. I just it doesn't make sense to me how in his mind. I mean I guess it's easy to see now because we can watch it in replay and we know how it came out. But I just don't see how that would have worked. I mean it was it was a a drying track. Um, There was sort of a dry line. He was off where it was wetter offline. Right. Um, He was going to be on the outside of this corner in the wetter part of the track on dry tires. Like I just don't see how it would have worked. So at best it was a foolish you know, try. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think getting desperate, I don't know if this is a maturity thing again or what it is with Vettel, but, um, I have to say, after after sort of, you know, going back and forth on it, and I really have gone back and forth on it, I do think it was just a, a stupid move to do, um and and not right. And not just a like, hey, it could have happened to anyone kind of thing. Like, no, I think if Vettel were smarter, he would have realized, you know, this is not the place to make this pass. Yeah. Um, it's just not gonna work. And it was just like dive bombing someone inside of a corner, just like uh you know, yeah, you didn't mean to take the guy out, but it was a stupid thing to do. So the penalty, um, I guess yeah, I guess what else are you going to do to penalize him? I mean, a fine or something? I don't think makes sense no. in this in this situation. So I, I guess ultimately, yes, I would say that I, I agree with the uh, the decision to penalize him. Well, that
0: is shockingly similar to what I was. Oh, I mean, the,
1: where's the discord?
0: I mean, that's amazing. I disagree. Uh, there you go. Vettel should have been it should have been a stop and go penalty. No, uh, when I looked at it over and over, I was watching the race with my younger brother, and he's like, "That's not a penalty. That's not, I said, "Well," and. And I looked at it over and I said, yeah, it does seem a bit much to penalize because you know we've had this conversation before. You don't want to discourage racing, and you don't want it to seem like any time someone makes a pass and it's not successful that they get penalized because that's ridiculous. Right. But the thing that kept striking me wasn't when Vettel was out of control and hit button. It was those few moments... Before, um, where Vettel's behavior was a little bit suspect. Yeah. Because um, Jensen Button, they were coming out of that kind of kink in the straight. Um, they've gone up the hill, O'Rouge and three and four and all that. And Button was kind of in the inside of the straight, and he was drifting out just a little bit, like maybe just a quarter outside of the track, and then he cut back in to protect the inside. As as um, As a... Jensen was just drifting out a little bit. Vettel was diving for the inside and then came jerking right back out as soon as Button, uh, Button kinked inside. So I, for me, what was stupid on Vettel's part was him going for the inside so early on Button because yeah. there is no good reason for Button to allow Vettel to go in. It Even if... Even if Button had continued to drift out, Vettel may have hit him anyway. Like, it was very, I thought, dicey in there. So, uh, mostly, I ultimately landed on the fact that Vettel shouldn't have gotten a penalty. So, I actually do disagree with you hmm. on the merits of the penalty itself. But I did think that even his behavior and judgment before he actually lost control of the car was pretty poor. Yeah, There was definitely some... Un- unsmart, unnecessary jostling inside inside of Button's line before he, any, he even had a real good chance to establish a pass around Button.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I don't dispute... He was doing everything, you know, Vettel doing everything he could to control the car once he'd made the move. Of course, I think yeah, it was absolutely. the, the decision-making that went into, hey, I can get around him here. I'm going to make this move. I'm going to do this. And then braking, uh, I guess, I mean, he couldn't be on the brakes because he was sort of fighting the car just to keep it on the road, um, on the track. And I think if he hadn't crashed into to Button, he still would have outbraked himself and probably gone off the track anyway. Like, I just don't think there was any way that that pass was going to work. Uh-huh. Um, so just... It was going to end in some kind of tears. Yeah, yeah. and if um, if it had ended Vettel's race as well, which it kind of looked like it might. I mean, it looked pretty serious as they sort of came off there, and, uh-huh. and then Vettel sort of stopped, started moving again, was able to get into the pits and and get a new nose. I um, mean, you know, if it had ended Vettel's race, it would have been okay. It, it's unfortunate it had ended both their races. Whatever. It's not like a, something where oh, you got to penalize him for the next race because it was that much of a malicious move. No, no, but no. But it no. would have been like if he can do you know have have an incident like that which just takes you know I I don't think any of this can be construed as button's fault. I really don't think he has any any fault in it. No. Um you know where it ends button's race as a total innocent bystander and then Vettel to go on to the race and then still get a lot of points and do well not really at button's expense but I mean he it's like well I guess that's one way to get around button. I mean it would that certainly would have been uh, a, a You know, really unfortunate situation Especially for McLaren, especially for Button So the fact that it just, you know, lost a couple more positions For Vettel, put him back some time um, Having to, to do that stop-go penalty um, I think it kind of I think it kind of is justified um, I would rather that, you know, there weren't These penalties and there weren't these stupid moves And, you know, hopefully, you know, it just it, It's so unfortunate for Button that I guess Yeah, it doesn't bring Button's race back by penalizing Vettel but at, at least it's like he can't you know sort of profit from that decision it's like well I made a really bad call there but oh, I can still go down and get my new nose and go on my merry day and right. have a good rest of the race yeah
0: and just I know it's a touch early but I wanted to jump into just a couple of Facebook comments uh James Payne wrote so what's Vettel's excuse going to be for that one question mark question mark? question <laughs> mark? and <laughs> radio was out Mark was
1: doing something weird uh
0: Sean uh, Scanlon said, "Good race, lots to discuss. I'm sure. Vettel once, ag- pr- once again proved that he has a lot to learn. That was a silly mistake today. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, here, Dave Stevens. Well done, Lewis. Vettel needs to go to back to school. Chin up, Jensen. Uh, Matt Patterson, speechless. Vettel needs outriders to warn people he's coming. So <laughs> uh, I don't. I mean, it was interesting because the the commentary." on speed itself was like well that was ridiculous he shouldn't have deserved the penalty but i think there's a lot of people here i mean we're not alone i didn't look at any of this before we started the podcast but there's a lot of i mean it's tough it's it's, it's definitely a it's definitely a lot more gray and nuanced than uh the speed commentators made it sound like when they were saying the penalty was ridiculous
1: well I think that was probably my first reaction too and it sounds like maybe even yours of like hey come on he's trying to make a pass why you know why penalize him well, see but either... then you sort of then we have the advantage of sort of checking it out in slow motion looking back at it pausing it thinking about it and I'm then... almost
0: so I'm also a biased button fan I'm like I my my penalty for Vettel I told my younger brother I said it should be a stop get slapped by Jensen's girlfriend and go penalty that That, was my that that was my penalty penalty.
1: that would be a good penalty to have in the FIA's arsenal of of penalties so I mean that for me I guess lately Vettel um I mean especially after this whole safety car sleeping at the wheel blaming it on the car blaming it on Mark I mean after all this I mean Vettel has really just seems like gone downhill for me lately and I don't know if it was an attitude of like well you know I can get my car on pole so much faster than everybody else that I don't have to worry about it that you know it's just it's been no problem i mean that's been his car has been fast all year um and yet you know has not been able to capitalize on it mark weber has just been you know making hay this whole time
0: well he weber's been you know weber had i remember very specifically he had a pretty tough australian grand prix this year yeah i feel like weber got some momentum going and now he's really running with it i think i think maybe it's the fact that weber realizes, wow i could actually be world champion this is possible um, you know, because he's been in the sport a long, long time. It took him over 130 races to get a race win. And now, all of a sudden, uh, a year later, he's got, what is it, four wins now? And uh, he just finished second in the Belgian Grand Prix. He's, uh, you know, second in the championship points right now.
1: He's 31 points ahead of Sebastian Vettel now. So it's, I mean, more than a race win apart. Yep. Uh, and I think, I, I mean, it's hard to, hard to know for us. I mean, our, I'm sorry, he's, uh, Vettel is uh, 31 points behind um, Hamilton it's only what 20 uh well it's three points 28. 28 yeah math is hard mathematician uh so 28 points behind mark Webber. so still more than a race wins distance apart and uh and yeah so i don't know it, you know what if its attitude has changed if the pressure is getting to him in a way that it hasn't before because you know for for vettel we've seen you know vettel do well before but not not with this kind of speed out of the red bull um and and i don't know if he sort of had well you know just Got complacent about it, or he's trying as hard as he can, and things just really aren't going his way. But it's 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 tough. But uh, I mean, Vettel just for me has really um, been a disappointment lately, and uh, I'm I'm kind of liking you know Mark Weber sort of like not making as big a deal about it, not whining about things so much. He's just like got more experience, and sort of yeah, something sometimes things go your way, sometimes they don't. Yep. But uh, quietly. You know, a really close second in the championship, and looking you know very good for uh, for the rest of the season. So, man, Vettel, I don't know if he's off his game now or, or what the problem is.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, I think, uh, you know, what's going to be interesting for me is to see how Red Bull responds to this because, uh, you know, despite public uh, public announcements and everything else, um, it was it's been very clear that they favor Vettel. Yeah, but now the season's wearing down. Uh, you know, they've got Mark that big Weber, gap, like we talked about. It's yeah, not got, like
1: he's ahead by four points or something. Exactly, I mean, it's
0: it's not negligible anymore. And he's right. I mean, and Lewis Hamilton is technically winning right now. So,
1: you know, no technically about it. He's leading. The he's championship. leading the
0: championship by three points, and Mark Weber is his closest competitor. Everybody else, well, is, unless
1: we had the medals system, because Mark would have oh, yeah. a lot of gold medals at this point.
0: But everyone else is more than a race went away. So it is definitely, uh, it's definitely. You know, Mark Weber should be the clear uh, team favorite right now, and it'll be interesting to see if he actually is. Um, by the way, um, remember when I talked about a couple of podcasts about, ago about how, you know, you can't predict the future, and it could be that Alonso has a couple of bad races, and Massa does well, and all of a sudden... <laughs> How's that working you know, out? Yeah. So Massa scored, he finished fourth this race, Alonso scored, finished what? What was it, 20th? Something like that?
1: Yeah, it was not it was not good.
0: So, uh Massa now has 109 points to and Alonso's 141. Still a g- big gap, I agree. However, that gap would be 14 points less if Massa was a- allowed to win the race that he deserved to win. Mm-hmm. And uh if Massa has another good couple of races and Alonso has a couple couple of so-so bad races, Ferrari could have very well shot themselves in the foot for uh Championship. Just an
1: FYI. Yeah. Just
0: throwing that out there I don't for think people. There, I don't
1: think there's any important races coming up for Ferrari anytime soon. Anyway, no, so I don't think none really, that I can think of. doesn't really matter. Um, so, just to close out the Vettel conversation for now, uh, Vettel has, I guess there's articles now. Oh, he apologizes and he says, obviously, it wasn't my intention to destroy his race or mine. He's like, oh, I was close. I was faster than him. And, which, just like we talked about, yeah, that's that's one part of the equation. But then actually being having a car that'll allow you to make a pass. And he just, you know, he says, yeah, I tried to outbrake him on the outside when in, in that move from inside to outside, lost the car under braking, on the bump. So, that's his that's Vettel's excuse he blames it's, it's on the not bump. my
0: fault it's the bump. there's a bump
1: there um then I, really I wonder if that's it. bump and uh so yeah then he then he you know he had a puncture later he had the pe- penalty he had all this uh all oh injury, yeah and he ran so.
0: into somebody else and all kinds <laughs> of fun things yeah he had a great race yeah he, um speaking of cock-ups uh poor old <laughs> oh, man. yeah
1: so that that was what's that lap one that was like two-thirds of the way around the lap it was
0: almost a full lap
1: it was it was bad um
0: it was breaking into turn 18, which is that last chicane before you go onto the pitch. Track.
1: And the situation, um, as far as I remember, it was basically, you know, everyone's off on the, on the first lap. It was dry on most of the track, um, except for this back corn, you know, this back, uh, what was it, uh, shoot, turn? Turn 18. Turn 18, um, where, you know, all, it sort of caught everyone out. I mean, it was it was oh, yeah. chaos going on there. Oh, so yeah. it's, I it's, remember that. I mean, Barrichello, I think, was along for the ride as much as anything. It's, you know, obviously, he's got a lot of experience and. Wasn't trying to do any stupid moves. But he
0: was just honored for 300 starts and but, how much experience yeah, he had he and had, how good he he had his had car control was. He had a special helmet, he had a special driving suit. Oh, there man. was all his
1: interviews, this whole tribute to Rubens, like, oh, what an amazing guy. And he's just a top, just a brilliant bloke. And he bloke. is. You
0: look at the stuff and you're like, wow, he's looked like he's 40 since the day he was five, but he's a I great know. Guy. You see him come out of a car, he's like 10 years old. Oh, and he yeah. looks exactly <laughs> he's the same. still got that receded hairline. It's like, <laughs> did you ever have hair? Did you just, like, I am convinced he came out of the womb with. with. With that haircut And he said You know what This works This works I'm
1: good with it I'm good with this (laughs) But uh so yeah, I mean he, you know, and it, it was a big impact too. I mean he was on the brakes early, but he said it just wasn't enough. He just slid off the car, and then Alonso was already the kind of like, uh, you know, this was our off the track anyway, so everything was all kind of screwed up, and just pelted the back of uh, of, of Alonso's car, um, broke off his left front suspension. And at first, you know, I was, he was kind of like perked up on the wing, and, and I couldn't tell from the angle. I was like, oh, maybe he can continue, maybe this will be okay. And then showed it from another angle. It's like, no, no his no. car's one wheel's missing, down a wheel. <laughs> it's not gonna work. And then he's walking back, and I'm like, oh, he's got the driving suit and the helmet and the I special know. stuff probably holding like mother which reminds me of the uh you know the ferrari like oh we're gonna paint our cars all special it's the 60th anniversary of the ferrari they had like a terrible oh wasn't it
0: the the 800th start they had or something like that yeah yeah.
1: yeah, it's something you know it's like every time you do or, or the um when a, when Hamilton had a special nose for Monaco, and it was like, I think it was Hamilton's first year in McLaren, and they had a special diamond encrusted nose, was like, oh, it's Mercedes and it's Monaco, and then it, like, got into a guardrail and they couldn't find yeah, it. And that like diamond's some gone. Some fan crazy. is really, really lucky. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you do these special things, it's like, oh, we gotta commemorate something. It's like, just don't do that. It just
0: really seems to cause problems. It is like having voodoo, a voodoo doll, for all the wrong reasons. And he's
1: like, I'm very sorry for the team. We'd prepared such a nice party. <laughs> I was closing the door on Nico Rosberg, and even though I touched the brakes early, it was not enough to stop the car. And we all know how that ended up. So uh, it's unfortunate for a brilliant bloke to end up uh, end up like he did. Um, and and then Alonso, the other half of that. I mean, he was able to uh, to continue. His car, I didn't. I mean, he couldn't really tell because all the rain and spray and everything. But it looked like it was fine. Like yeah. it was like just he went, he went on with, went on with his day. So um, you know that's props for that i guess um and and now you know ferrari they've got an article out saying oh we're not con- we're not conceding defeat in the title race and so, you wonder what do, what does that mean yeah what what, what, what are they mean? really saying like yeah. oh you mean if they're like okay we admit defeat we're just not going to run our cars anymore I right mean, yeah I, they come up with this mid-season this like late mid-season you end up with these stupid articles so, but if you look at it to so, um fernando's fifth in the championship to felipe sixth uh, like you we were talking about before you know the gap is not huge it's 141 to 109 points and uh yeah, I mean, of course you're not going to concede. Thirty-two
0: points—that's you know—that's a lot of points, but that's a, you know, it's a race and a half.
1: Yeah, and and Less you know, than a race and, and that's still what forty points, uh, thirty-five points behind the leader, um, you know, behind Lewis Hamilton. So it's like, well, of course you're not going to, uh, you know, you're not going to concede defeat and just like stop running. I mean, so anyway, these articles don't uh, don't say a whole lot, but anyway, their Ferrari is still racing for the rest of the season, uh, um, and,
0: and we just we just uh, appreciate their grit. And determination. Yeah, That's very way to impressive.
1: go, Ferrari, for issuing press releases that say these things. That's uh, great.
0: And uh, uh, Vitaly Petrov, he put in a pretty good run this time around. I'd say. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly not as good as his teammate, but I think, I think Petrov almost gets a pass there. I, I, I think it would be a shame for Renault to say Petrov's got to go because he's not as good as K- uh, Kubica. I think Kubica definitely is a very strong talent, and uh, Petrov is also a rookie. There's a lot of extra stress. And uh, nuances that are involved with being a rookie. I mean, look at the difference in performance of Algaswari from last year to this year. Yeah, I think this you know shows that he definitely has potential, and they I hope he they keep him on next year.
1: Yeah, had a good you know good pass over Rosberg. Um, you know, it just just looked good. I mean, he started way back in the field because it was poor qualifying. Um, we didn't really even go through in detail because the, there were so many penalties. Um, in the in you know for I don't even know if it was if it was people running out of if it was gearbox changes or pit lane infractions whatever but there were like there were like eight drivers that got penalized for different things and it was all tricky so the uh-huh. um i don't even know where he started but way way near the back and uh and just made a lot of made a lot of passes made a lot of moves which is uh you know good job and i have to uh, i know he's not our favorite driver not your favorite driver anyway not mine but uh i have to give credit to michael schumacher um you know started 21st and ended up seventh place and i mean made a lot of passes didn't crash himself out of the race um uh,
0: well, I mean, Spa, uh, Spa and Michael Schumacher are very friendly to each other, and I think uh, he, he performed well. I, you know, it's tough because you know, Michael Schumacher has these moments where it's easy to hate him, and he has these moments where you've got to really be impressed by the guy for, for so many different reasons. And this was one of those opportunities to say, you know, should he be faster than Nico Rosberg? I think realistically, yes, he should be. But, you know, the fact that he's in his 40s, he was out of F1 for three years, he's got more money than God.
1: There's no testing or anything like there's that There's no anymore.
0: testing. Yeah. I mean, and he really seems to be doing it. In, I mean, he does seem to be a bit of a changed man. It's not all business like it was before. Maybe that's part of what's hurting him. But um, I think there's a lot about Schumacher. He, I mean, he's, you know, there's... Living legends and all this kind of stuff, but he's not a living legend, he's an active legend. He's, he's currently doing what he's a legend for again. So, uh, it was very cool to see him perform well. And, uh, so
1: yeah, I mean, he made a lot of passes, and we can't, uh, you know, that's, that's what we like to see. So, I but gotta, he is old, I gotta give him credit for he's that. Very, very old, <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah. and then, and we mentioned, uh, with. The, you know, just getting back to the sharp end of the field for a minute. Um, you know, Kubica and and Weber um, for second and third place. I mean, they did they did swap places because you know Weber was was way back and then made his way back up. Um, that was a pass in the pits, so that was not Weber passing Kubica on track. That was actually just you know the pit crews and the timing yeah. and all that mm-hmm. working out. So, um, you know, still credit to Kubica for for you know holding everyone off as well as he could. And it was and, so
0: funny to see uh, you know the, the qualify you know Weber Hamilton uh, Kubica and have them finish hamilton weber up, but the race, and that does not yeah, if you just tell the story at the, of the race. if you just
1: looked at the results, you'd think, oh, wow, boring race then, huh, one pass. Uh, and then the other thing that uh, we, we brushed over a little bit is Alonso. I mean, it didn't end up mattering because he ended up having problems later in the race, but um, he did have that bad tire call. Apparently, he was on a wet setup, which is why qualifying didn't work out so well. Um, what was he, seventh or something? I forget in qualifying. Something now. like that, yeah. Um, and, uh, and then... You know, that first shower, whenever... You know, a lot of the teams are like, oh, stay out on dries and it was a little hairy, and whatever. And uh, Alonso was like, sweet, you know, <laughs> this plan is coming <laughs> together. I'm going to go on my inters. I'm going to school these people. And then it dried out a little bit. But
0: what have we learned? What have we learned? Don't go out on inters unless it's definitely wet. Because I think... I don't know. It was last year. I think Raikkonen went out on inters. And it was still... It ended up being dry for a couple of laps. And then mm. it did start raining. It, it you know rained two laps after he put the inters on. But the inters were ruined. If you go, and you go at speed on the inters, at any time before it's wet, they get toasted fast. And so it's just, unless it was pouring rain at the race start, that was a bad decision.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, he, um, you know, started dry, pitted to go to inters, went, I think, like, two laps Pitted to go back to dry tires. I mean, just screwed himself over with the, with the strategy. And, uh, again, I guess that's easy for us to say in hindsight. And, and you know, and Which is why we're saying it. Exactly. Which is, that's <laughs> our job, basically. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I guess just, you know, he was gambling a little bit in that direction. It's funny that he was the only one. I mean, usually um, that's, I guess, Ferrari, mean, they've got both their drivers. You think they'd, like, you know, throw the other tires on Massa's car. And see how he gets yeah, along. No, like, oh, but, I, but again, I is.
0: mean, honestly, I think there's been enough evidence in history to show us that you, you really should wait till it's definitely wet yeah to to throw those inners on Especially i think mean, even got half them, a lap can get them pretty nasty pretty fast
1: and, and of all people i guess this is why it's surprising to me you know alonzo like hamilton like we were talking about ought to be one of those drivers who can judge these things and if, if anyone you know i can understand if uh you know uh you know petrov or somebody couldn't necessarily like you know we want to get him on inter sooner rather than later because there's a bigger chance of him just be running off the road and crashing into something or causing problems but like alonzo i mean you know for as much as you can say you know positive as negative about the guy he's you know car control is definitely something he's good at and just managing you know a, a car that's not performing at its peak and whatever i think he's got that so for him to go to inters early on is that's what was sort of weird about it and uh, and then had to you know pit again to put dries on and went on from there it just kind of messed up his day so it was you know a day to forget for alonzo certainly a terrible day for vettel because he just had problem after problem and uh you know arguably his fault penalized and so on and uh yeah, it ended up being, uh, you know, quite a race at all said and done. I guess the fact that we've talked about it for this long, it uh, <laughs> sort of uh, goes to show that. And because it's been so long since we've had another show, uh, we did have some, you know, we have, we've got lots of feedback to talk about, lots of people on Facebook and Twitter, um, checking to see if we're still alive. Um, if, Which is if, nice of them. If you survived the, the wedding weekend, uh, you know, so uh, we, you know, we, we didn't really hear anything from us in the interim. Well, but by all means,
0: let's get to it. Then. We are back. daniel jewel worry not there is a podcast this race we were just a bit late it was a scheduling conflict uh, we knew already that i was going to be at a stupid wedding in stupid minnesota and i was going to miss the race um, what we did not know and is what that, he
1: means by that is congratulations to his dear friends who are now married
0: yes that's exactly what i mean or something um uh, but what we did not know is that uh Early Monday morning, or was it even Sunday evening, that Jim had to leave and do something for work for a couple of days so that the earliest we could actually meet was Wednesday, which is today, and here we are. I know. It's
1: September now. Who knew? But, yes. Um, but we appreciate the concern. James, um, thank you for uh, uh, being a very good listener
0: and uh, letting other people know, yes, it was a wedding. And, uh, and uh, Tim Meekins, yes, we are okay. Thanks for being concerned. Um, if you could, uh, could give my mother a call and also tell her that we're okay, I'd appreciate that. And uh, Daniel Jewell, it was an okay wedding. was not the greatest wedding I've ever been to, and I know none of them listen to the show, so I can say that with uh, full anonymity.
1: There you go. And you have not been hung over this whole time. Yeah, I was, I was out for work, and uh, if you'll indulge me for two seconds, I'm super excited because I was actually uh, working with a TV show but got to um, not do any like hot laps or anything, but be in and around and kind of work with the Lexus LFA supercar. Is that the, their new SUV? The, yeah, exactly. No, the $375,000 um, you know, high-revving, small V10, crazy, yeah, it's a Lexus. And that was a pretty amazing car and just cool stuff to be around. So it was, it was good stuff. I um, hear
0: they're almost as fast as a Corvette.
1: Yeah, yeah. Get off me. <laughs> Very cool car, though. Um, and anyway, um, but, we're, but we are back and we're, we're fully podcasting.
0: Funny enough, I hear that LFA is uh, uh, titled to win the uh, Formula One championship within five years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That would be great. So we've got... <laughs> Lots of other comments from Facebook. Um, I do want to mention a couple of people from Twitter, though. Actually, first before we get into that, tweet uh, on. Man. Uh, so Cam McGrath, uh, as always, you know, shooting links our way and so on. Um, he actually posts an interesting video. I think to Twitter and Facebook. He's he's covering all the bases about the uh, the front wing flex and the lead up to that crash with the Vettel and Button crash. We just you know we just uh-huh, went uh-huh. over in detail. And um, I don't know if you want to try to cover it for audio, but. I mean watch the video it's 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 pretty interesting. Yeah,
0: the leading up to uh the attempted pass on Button uh you know Sebastian Vettel is in and then falls out of uh Button slipstream and the wing just goes bonkers. It's very obvious that it's flexing uh, way way more than the 100 millimeter minimum height that it's supposed to have. Yeah, and, and this is after, apparent.
1: and we, we didn't really mention this, but this is after they, um, the FIA did, you know, strengthen the tests that they do. They made, you know, it's, they're tougher tests now for, I don't know if how much weight or exactly where they position the weight or whatever. But these are the new higher, you know, higher load tests for the front wing, which the Red Bull passed. Obviously, I mean, it's racing. It's there. Um, and yet it's still, there's still all this photo evidence showing, hey, that, that wing is definitely doing some weird stuff. Um, the other, I'd like, also like to thank uh, Stephen Broadley, who, uh, who tweeted us um, very excitedly retweeting the Austin Grand Prix, Austin track layout, with like 15 exclamation points uh, uh-huh. with a link to it. And, uh, and we did cover our, our thoughts on that and all that, but uh, thanks, Stephen, for that.
0: It's too bad it's not Stephen specifically, and he could have told us exactly how he felt. Yeah. Du-dung. Come on! That was good stuff. Uh, quick shout-out to Tim Meekins, who uh, was not able to watch the race live because he had to install gates so we called it gate-gate. And, uh, Gate Gate, we and we finally
1: t- have a gate gate,
0: <laughs> uh, so to you, Tim, we are very sorry to hear that was your fate. Uh, we hope the installs went well
1: and speaking of fate, I guess uh, we 've talked about Cam already, but he was going to be at Spa. he was going to get rained on and going to be in an unsafe position and cause a red flag of the race, but he couldn 't because his work changed the schedule on him, so uh, we, oh, we feel because that, that been, is not cool because of all the races to go and see, especially seeing how the race turned out man that 's got to be a disappointment to, uh, to not be there. But we, anyway.
0: We also had nine comments on the F1show.com page itself.
1: You're dang right.
0: Which is the place to be. Um, we're not going to go through them because that is hard. Um, but a definite thank you to Toby S, Jay Houghton, Tony Bird. Uh, Jay
1: Houghton, you mean and nutta?
0: Mike, Michael <laughs> Uh Michael Kornbrekka, again, rants on F1, as always, keeping it real. Henry Lake. Henry Lake, again, and Steen Johansson. If you leave a comment on the Facebook page, guaranteed shout out because that is the place to be.
1: And if you are not leaving comments on there, then maybe it's just because you don't know how to get there. Um, F1show com. You can you can comment on the podcast right there. You can play stuff. You can download old episodes. You can see what are, what our predictions were from way back in the day. You can you can see what we used to sound like like mm-hmm. three years ago. We've been doing the show for a while now, and uh, and there's also links to our Facebook page and Twitter stream and all that. So. Um, this hopefully will be the last delayed coverage for a little while. I'm optimistic. Uh, I'm optimistic as well. Um, you know, I think we'll be able to do at least day of coverage and maybe some live watching and live tweeting and so on. So do, do follow us on Twitter. We are at the F one show You can go to facebook.com slash F1Show. Um, and, and that's really all there is to say about that.
0: Trivia. 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 <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so last time I had what I thought was a wonderful question. And it's actually apropos because uh, it was about Sebastian Vettel's uh, ability to get pole position. (laughs) And we now know how long that record is. Um, But the question was, Sebastian Vettel's cosmically fast pole at Hungary makes it four times in a row for the young German. We know it's not going to be five. That must be some kind of record, right? Wrong! So what is the record? Who holds it? What is the record for active drivers?
1: Any guesses, Jim? It's like a six-parter. No, it's a three-parter.
0: I guess that's no. The answer is sorry. Quite, the answer is quite long <laughs> and mesmerized many, by And that many question. of you did correctly guess this, uh, but that is so long ago we can't even look back that far. You guys are so active on the Facebook page that my hand cramps before I can scroll down that much. Anyway, the answer is Ayrton Senna, the one and only, um, who, who had eight pole positions in a row, which just is just amazing to me. Uh, he did it. Um, from the 1988 Spanish Grand Prix to the 1989 US GP, So, no, it was not eight in one season, but still. Just incredible. And in a way, that's almost more incredible to have such a fast car at the end of the last season, still have a fast car the next season, with everything that changes and still be that good for that long. Pretty incredible. Anyway, the best of any active drivers that command could do is actually Michael Schumacher, who had seven in a row. Um, He did that um, from the Italian... Uh, GP in 2000 to the Brazilian GP in 2001. Uh, That was back when the Brazilian GP was early in the season, not late in the season. Yeah, it must
1: have been with seven races. Um,
0: So the only other active driver with more than four is Fernando Alonso, who has five poles in a row. He did that in 2006, European GP to the 2006 Canadian Grand Prix. And FYI, the European GP was at the Nürburgring in 2006. That is just a plethora of information for you about active Drivers in pole positions of all sizes.
1: eight in a row. That was, and I have to say, you know, uh, I think some, we've had this on the Facebook page and all that, and hopefully everyone that listens to our show um, has seen this. But uh, you know, so Top Gear did a special like tribute to Ayrton Senna because I think uh, you know Jeremy Clarkson was talking about his, you know, talking to his son about the. Uh, it's like you know Ayrton Senna. He's like, yeah, that's that driver that died, right? And it's like, oh, but he's so much more than that. And so I have to, I have to say, I mean, you know, I I was got into F one, I think in like 03, 04 sometime in that time frame. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, you know, I never, I I was not really. Aware aware of you know f1 or anything when uh when when aaron senate was killed so i never saw you know any of this stuff uh, originally so it was definitely really good for me to uh to go back and just you know see like a lot of the interview footage um, with with him and just see you know some of the expert drivers like Martin Brunel going through sort of turn by turn on some of his moves and all that and it was yeah. it was very revealing to me and definitely gave me a better appreciation for just his driving talent and a bit more context to uh, to his performance.
0: It's funny because I knew about Iron Senna before I was into F1 as well because of his work with the Acura NSX. Yeah. I always loved the Acura NSX and I thought it was such a cool car. And like yeah, this art and senna signed the car i'm like oh who is he oh he's got these sweet
1: sweet sunglasses yeah
0: exactly i love his sunglasses that is an excellent point very valid anyway
1: so so anyway if you haven't seen that you should check it out it's on youtube and stuff it's on our facebook page um and you probably have seen it by now so that's great um
0: so we must move forward what did i just do we must move forward um there is a new question and uh eventually a new answer but you will not hear it this weekend anyway Rubens Barrichello broke 300 entries this weekend at Belgium Grand Prix, and as an active driver, he holds and continues to reset the record for most entries every weekend he gets in the car. Which made us wonder, what is the record for race entries among non-active drivers, and who holds that record? So, so how many so total number of race entries? Total number like, of race entries by one driver who's no longer Grand Prix racing, and who so was like it? not
1: Schumacher because obviously he's current. Whatever
0: Schumacher is currently driving. So yeah,
1: well not right now. I mean it's a Wednesday, so you know, that, he might be. Well, depending, it's like two in the morning though where he is. Well, maybe he's in Australia? Okay, but we're considering him a current driver. Okay, correct. Ooh, all right. So that's a good one. So that's uh, it's a humdinger. So by all. So account. what is the record? Um, for race entry, so how many is it, and then and who holds that record? It's a two-parter. Two-parter. Alrighty, and uh, we can use any of the methods we talked about before: a comment on F1Show.com, a tweet, a Facebook message, a like, a poke, whatever, um, to to give us the answer. If and you're gonna do the
0: liking or the poking, leave. Give that one to Jim.
1: Yeah, the poking, not so much, but the liking. We like the liking. We like liking. Yes, that's true. It's not that I like our fans; it's that I like our fans. Like like them. Yeah,
0: I don't know if I'm in like with them.
1: But I, you know... Does it feel like like? You'll know when it's like. See, predictions are a funny thing, right? Because it seems like Sebastian Vettel is doing really well, and you're like, how is he going to, you know... Finish the race in anywhere other than near the top. And well,
0: and we've just discovered that he knows many ways how to oh, do that. In fact, man. he tried them all. So
1: we had, this we, past had a, we didn't do so well at predictions. No, um, from last week. Yeah. Oh well. Mm. Uh, but I guess let's let's break it down here. I guess at least and look at the numbers.
0: The numbers. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, okay. So. <sighs>
0: Jim said, you know what? looks like Sebastian Vettel's doing really, really well. I'm going to say Vettel on pole. Vettel to win the race. I said, you know what, Jim? I don't know how I'm going to disagree with you. I think Vettel should be on pole. Vettel should win the race. Vettel qualified no better than fourth place because Weber is awesome and apparently handsome. And Vettel finished Dreamy, actually. 15th in oh. the race. Um, and he's lucky he did that. Yeah. The fact that he got in two accidents in one race, not to mention other things, um, and a penalty and so on and so forth. Um, that left both Jim and I tied with 17 points, not very good. Um, the good news was that we uh, commiserated with each other with cokes, so we still so kind of went. There you go. Um, the statistical model, however, said that Vettel was also going to be on pole, which we now know was stupid, but uh, said that Mark Weber was going to win the race. He did not, but he did finish second. So a the, lot
1: less stupid than
0: us. A lot less stupid than us. The st- statistical model get that out it got tricky word, four yeah. points which means we owe the statistical model 13 cokes which i don't know how that's going to work um but even better yet i hear um, that
1: models like a lot of coke though so that that should be fine <laughs> Ooh,
0: wait a minute uh tim meekins uh one of our favorite and most consistent contributors um put Weber on the podium and Weber to win the race, Weber on pole and to win the race.
1: Which, of course, Michael Kornbrecker did as well, because he's Weber for life!
0: Weber for life. So both Kornbrecker and Meekins uh, scored just one point, so the fans did very, very well. And uh, Rance on F1, I have to say, you predicted that Schumacher would finish 10 places behind Rosberg this time. He did not. So that would have been an extra 50-point penalty. We can't... That's that's dangerous.
1: Yeah, you are walking a the line there, pal. Woo, boy. And uh and Cam says, uh he wonders if we could adapt the prediction model to determine how many cars Seb will run into each race if we could predict that. <laughs> I don't even want to go down that road. We had I our really whole don't. predict thirteenth place. We've we've had some other uh you know, where are these guys gonna qualify relative to each We're other? We're thinking and all about that.
0: throwing something at you for twenty eleven. It's been it's been, it's been brewing on the back burner, if it's, you will.
1: It's brewing and it's not yet brewed, so we don't wanna release that on the world too soon
0: but anyway jim just like you i'm so italian and it's time for monza coming up the next time i'm super super excited not the least of which is for the food uh pizza is one of my favorites (laughs) and i'm looking forward to that it's so Italian. italian and uh it's also one of the greatest racetracks ever i absolutely love that place so
1: it's gonna be fast it's gonna be hugely fast um vettel's first win for toro rosso his was first it? win ever, yeah. Which was his first win. Yeah. Uh, was he at Monza. He was
0: 16 months old,
1: I believe. Yeah, he, was, he was real young. Yeah, and more mature, somehow. <laughs> somehow, better <laughs> than he is now. Um, so, uh, I mean, I know it's easy for us to count Vettel out. I do think he will take the pole position. Um, You're putting Vettel on there again. I am, because Bold. I don't want to fall into the whole reactionary trap of, I mean, we're we always wrong anyway, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh, or at least I am. Um, but I don't think he's going to hold on to it. I think he's going to crash into 1.2 cars. Uh, <laughs> is the point .2 like no? It'll a make a virgin or something. No, it's like a part that already fell off another car, but he'll still hit it'll it, so it, it. kind of counts. And blame that part. That will be the, that will be the For running into him exactly. Like the
0: tree he was right in the middle of the road,
1: which is going to leave there, the, is,
0: is Vettel drunk for these races? It's going
1: to it's going to leave you sleepy. I don't know. He <laughs> <like, laughs> needs like more. oh, I'll have three steins of you beer or some kind of energy race. drink or something. I don't know. Perhaps could help. If you could only think of one. Which I think it's just going to leave him leave leave Weber to take the win. I mean, I really oh, he's going to okay. be so right there. Oh, okay, it's going to be a Red Bull I, deal. I mean, I'd like to see Hamilton do well, but uh, I I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna have it at Monza. I don't know.
0: Well, uh, I'd like to think that I am not a crazy person, so I'm not going to repeat my actions and expect different results. So I'm not going to follow you in uh, predicting this. As though that
1: makes any sense for what we're doing here with predictions. It does, jerk. Anyway. You're that it, person that bets on the roulette wheel that, like, oh, it was a three last time, so it's not going to be a three this time, as though that has anything to do with the probabilities of it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, just blew your mind. That's right. So am sorry. Okay, so there was, you think, there who's, was a fly
0: buzzing around. I couldn't hear Yeah, it, who's some, on pole? Anyway, uh, it's Italian's home turf. Alonzo? The Italians are going to be on pole. Oh, man. Fernando Alonso.
1: Oh, there it is. Oh,
0: yeah. He's there. I'm sorry that you're wrong, but okay. No, and he's going to win the race, too. Yeah. He's gonna be he's, really. He's gonna bring it back. He's
1: gonna bring it back for Ferrari red. It's gonna be Massa in the lead, and then somehow he's gonna miss an upshift, and then Alonso's gonna get. Yeah, it. you know, hmm. you know
0: those up upshifting's hard for uh, Felipe. Though. What can I say? No, I, I. And I think this is what's gonna happen. Uh, I'm gonna predict the rest of the season real quick. Uh, Fernando Alonso's gonna take the pole and win the race in Monza. Then he's gonna crash out of Singapore. Moss is going to win that race. Moss is
1: going to set someone on fire in Singapore. Yeah, <laughs> somehow.
0: Moss is going to win Singapore and then the race after that Alonso is also going to do poorly. Moss is finished like second or something like that and then they're going to be tied in the championship and it's going to come down and then Moss is going to lose the championship. Does by anyone a few keep points. a track of
1: this cuz I think Robin's going to owe some people some cokes. Yeah. I mean.
0: <laughs> and We need uh, like a Wikipedia page where Masa someone puts all this together. would have won the championship had he not been hosed by his own team. Ooh. Mm. That'd be something. But anyway, there it is. That is for Monza, which is less than two weeks away. I'm super stoked.
1: I don't know how you can think Alonzo is going to beat uh, Red Bull to the, to the pole, but that's, I don't, that's why, here's that's the thing. why okay, it's Okay,
0: I'll tell you why. Okay. Because Monza is the fastest track on the circuit by a crap ton. It's not all about downforce. It's about trimming as much downforce off as possible. And I don't think Red Bull's ever been the top speed champion. Damn it. <laughs> That's amazing. I just I just blew your mind. An explosion of mind. And on that
1: bombshell, it's time to end this episode.
0: <laughs> uh, I guess I'm Robin Warner.
1: I, and I'm Jim Lau. We will have coverage from, um, what, a week and a half from now after, after the Monza race. Hopefully not delayed. Keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter in the meantime. Thank you again for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.
0: The F1 Show is hosted by Jim Lau and Robin Warner. Many thanks to our editor, Jim Lau. We couldn't do trivia without our fact finder, Robin Warner. A tip of our hat to producers, Robin Warner and Jim Lau, as well as our executive producers, Robin Warner and Jim Lau. Of course, a thousand thank yous to our excellent catering service, Restaurants. And finally, we'd like to offer a huge thank you to Bio Bonsai for use of their song Inspector B from the Big Band album for our outro and intro music. The F1 Show is brought to you by two Americans who love the sport of F1, Jim Lau and Robin Warner.